Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. We're going to go over six things here tonight. Uh, Dr. Barclay had put in this initial outline of things you can do to uh, help deal with pressure in this life. Go to John 14. John 14, I'm going to do a little introduction verse with you here in John chapter 14 of something Jesus talked about as it relates to this life that we're living, the day we're in, things that are going on, how we can address it in our life. John 14. We're going to recognize on our notes the introduction statement there. You have the choice. Say, I have the choice. You have the choice if you allow trouble inside you or not. You have the choice as to whether you allow trouble to get inside you or not. If you allow your heart to be troubled, I knew that was coming, sorry. If you allow your heart to be troubled, I guarantee you what, it's because you allowed it. It's because you permitted it. You do not have to live in this life with a troubled heart. Aren't you glad? John 14, Jesus decrees it here. John 14, verse 1. Let not, circle those two words right there. Let not, meaning what? You can let it happen. Let not your heart be what? Troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also what? In me. We'll add a couple verses here. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to do what? Prepare Prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, guess what I'll do? I'll come again, and I'll receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And he went on to say, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Of course, we do, because we now understand, obviously, where he went and what he's doing when he comes back to get us. Verse 1 is the key thing of the introduction verse we want to touch on. Let not your heart be troubled. So, a lot of pressure in life comes because of things we allow. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure in life comes because of things we allow. Now listen, there's circumstances in life you'll never control. There's things that will happen. People will say things. People will do things. Things will happen in your life as it relates to even stuff in context to aspects of experiences and stuff that go you know, on around you and stuff that you can't control. We can't control all that happens around us. But what we can do is control whether it affects us or not. And that's something that a lot of people still really haven't learned a lot about how to master. But if you learn how to master this here, let not your heart be troubled. First statement out of Jesus' words. So guess what? You don't have to be troubled in heart. If you allow your heart to get troubled, agitated, pressured, guess what? You're going to get under some great pressure and strain. And it'll affect your faith. It'll affect your very peace that you have as well, and therefore cause you to be affected in relationship to what God has for your life. So let's learn six things from Dr. Barclay's study tonight, real simple study, it won't take us long, to go through and understand how to deal with pressure in this life. Number one, because we don't have to let our heart be troubled, number one, refuse, say refuse. refuse. So underline or highlight that word, because if you refuse something, guess what that means? I'm not going to allow it. Not going to allow it. Refuse to, uh, to cope with pressure. What do you mean to cope with pressure? Put up with. 
Don't put up with it. Anything that's trying to pressure your life, don't put up with allowing that to cause pressure in your life. You don't have to. You do not have to let your heart be troubled. Amen. So go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. One of the first things that we learn from Scripture in context to what we want to be careful about as it relates to pressure in our life is people we're connected with. You get connected with the wrong kind of people in life, guess what? You can get pressured. You can obviously, again, not control what they do. You can control how you respond to them. But just in the context of who you hook up with in relationship to close friendships, businesses, partnerships, etc., obviously, if you choose not to do what Scripture says, then you can add additional pressure to your life that you didn't have to add. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be, do not be unequally yoked together with what? Unbelievers. So being yoked, again, means close fellowship, close relationship. Now realize if you were already married at this point to an unbeliever, does the Bible say to get rid of them? No. Bible says to stay with them. Bible tells you clearly that you're not to obviously walk away. You continue to walk in love and do what God says. Believe in God, that God will help change their heart. But if that doesn't happen, guess what? Sooner or later, they would probably walk away from you if they truly don't want to change. But you need to understand we are not to be unequally yoked with what? Unbelievers. If we get into a, what's a yoke? So think about two oxen right back in their day. You got one in one side of this yoke and one in the other. So they're heading the same direction. They're basically walking together. So you want to be very careful who you walk with in life and who you allow to influence your life. So again, do not be unequally yoked together with what? Unbelievers. For what fellowship? Now, what's the word fellowship here mean? It means like the same word we talk about with partnership or a close connection with. Close connection with. But as an example, uh, if you wanted to build a business, according to Scripture, you don't want to partner with unbelievers. Because if you partner with unbelievers, you're going to cause undue stress on your life. So he says, do you notice again, he says, for what fellowship has righteousness, underline that word, say, that's me. What fellowship has righteousness with what? Lawlessness. That's not you. Notice this, what communion, again, just talking about close, uh, yoking type of relationships, what communion has light, underline that, that's you. Because this is all talking about you. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Because the righteous are not to do what? Walk in fellowship with the lawless or unbeliever. Again, communion has no light with darkness. You're not darkness, you're light. So we're not supposed to have these close relationships with people walking in darkness. 15, what accord or what unity has Christ? Now you're not Christ, but the word Christ here means anointed. You're anointed by God. God's anointed you by the Holy Spirit. So again, that's referencing you. In reference to me and you being Christians, Christians, Christ followers, we're anointed like him. So what accord has the anointed with what? Belial, or in other words, the devil. And what part has a believer, say that's me, with a unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, I will walk among them, I will be their God and they shall be what? So realize you and I need to be careful what we get yoked up with. Even as it relates not only to people, but even therefore what you believe. Because as he talks about in verse 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? 
Now, idols, of course, would be anything you idolize. Well, idolatry includes you making a God for yourself. Most people think of other stuff, you know. Well, certainly you don't want to make a boat or a house or shoes or clothes or guns, trying to cover every target here. You don't want to make any of these things your idol. But idolatry also means to make a God to fit you. You can meet Christians all the time and talk to them and say, hey, why don't you go to church? Well, my God doesn't say I have to go to church. Guess what they're walking in? Idolatry. Now, I'll tell you how that came. That came by being unequally yoked with somebody who taught them that. They didn't learn that from God. And most people don't learn that on their own. Why would they say, my God would not make me go to church? Because they heard somebody else say, my God would not make me go to church. Well, he's not going to make you, but he wants you to. It's his house. Amen. So on your notes there, 1A, again, what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Answer, none. So we should not be fellowshipping with such uh, people. Very clear. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. So we are talking about, number one, refuse to cope with pressure. So how do you relate that to other people? Refuse to be unequally yoked. If you refuse to be unequally yoked with people you should not be connected with, obviously in close fellowship with, guess what you're doing? You're refusing some of the pressure of what the world would want to try to put on you through those unequally yoked relationships. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. You there? Watch this. Verse 13. He, Jesus, has delivered us. He, Jesus, has delivered us. From what? The power of darkness. And he has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Say, my God, through Jesus, delivered me from the power of darkness. So who is trying to get you pressured in life? The power of darkness. So if I have the ability to refuse to cope with pressure, guess what that means? I don't have to accept anything that would try to put pressure on my life because he's already delivered me from the powers of darkness. Anything the enemy would try to bring as a pressure on my life, God's already delivered me from it. So one of the ways, again, to refuse to, to put up with or to deal with pressure in your life is when stuff tries to pressure you, what should you start saying? Thank you, Miss Donna. What should you start saying? My God has delivered me from the powers of darkness. It don't matter what you try to bring against me, Satan. I'm not going to allow this to get pressured on my life. My God has delivered me from the powers of darkness. Therefore, I'm already set free from anything you would try to bring against me to put pressure on my life. Can I get a better amen? So again, number one, what do we need to do? Refuse to cope with pressure. Don't put up with it. Don't put up with things that are going to cause you to live a pressured, hassled life, relationships, or anything else Satan brings at you to try to get you pressured. What should you do? Remind yourself, I'm delivered. And as long as I don't get unequally yoked in wrong relationships, I'm going to eliminate a lot of pressure, a lot of stress in my life. Can I get a better amen? All right, go to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, what are we talking about tonight? How to deal with pressure. When it tries to come on you, you can learn to understand how to deal with it by, number one, refusing to cope with it. Say, I'm not putting up with it. And so clearly, therefore, you're going to be careful who you get connected with. And when pressure tries to get on you, you're going to remind yourself, God's already delivered me from this. Well, feel delivered ain't based on how you feel. You start decreeing what God says is true, and you, you begin to accept it as a reality, no matter what tries to pressure you. I don't care what it is, man. A disease, a sickness, 
you know, a financial issue, a social issue, a relational issue. You keep telling yourself, nope, God's delivered me from this. Praise God. He's already delivered me from all the powers of darkness. Proverbs chapter 4. I love these verses. I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to see God's word work in your life, you need to live by these verses. Brother Hagin lived by these verses, and that's why he walked in divine health. I'll guarantee you any believer that I ever talked to relates to any attack on their body that they're going through. As a believer who's been walking with God any length of time, these are the verses I direct them to. Because how many know, again, health issues can put a lot of pressure on your life. Watch this. Proverbs 4.20. My son, give attention to my words. Underline it. Give attention to my words. If you and I want to make sure that we are not going to get pressured in life, guess what you better give attention to? Not what everybody else says. Not what everything else says. See, to give attention to his word means that's all you're paying attention to. I'm not giving attention to his word and something else at the same time. Right? Give attention to his words. Watch this. Incline your ear to what? His sayings. Let's read through these verses. I'll come back. Do not, do not let them depart from where? Your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? Because they're life. What is his word? Life to those who find it. And they are health to what? All their flesh. On your notes, number two, you need to go to the word for the answer or the escape of the pressure you're facing. Go to the word for the answer or the escape for the pressure you're facing. Because no matter what you're facing, guess what? God's word has an answer about it. God has, God's word has an answer for it. You're going to experience a whole lot less pressure in life if you do what? If you fulfill what these verses tell you to do in your life. And I'm going to go through those in detail in just a minute. But notice again, 2A on your notes, give your attention to what? Word of God. So in, again, verse 20, giving attention to the word means that's the priority. That's the priority. To incline your ear to his sayings, the word incline here, it's kind of like somebody's talking. I don't want to use this in a sense to think of it like the words like this. But have you ever seen a Western movie where a guy's, you know, dying, right, and can barely talk, and he's trying to say something, or any movie, and you got to get down real close to hear what he's saying, right? So if you get real down close to where he's, hear what he's saying, guess what you don't hear? Everybody else. You're pulling away from everybody else, and you're drawing close to what this person wants. That's the word incline. When he says, incline your ear to my saying, you know what he's saying? Listen to me, draw near to what I'm saying, and nothing else. If you continue to allow other things to come into your ears, you're going to get pressured. But if you all of a sudden pull away from those things and incline your ear to what God's word says, guess what? You're getting free from the pressure. You're getting answers from the word. Again, verse 21, do not let. Do not let. So you can do this. I said you can do this or not. Do not let what? The word depart from your eyes. You have to keep it in front of your eyes. And you also got to keep it in the midst of your heart. Why? Because they're life to those who find them. And what? Health. Health. Now that's the word medicine. Medicine. I challenge everybody again. If they're going through a physical battle. You every single day should be taking God's medicine. You go to a doctor. Doctor tells you. Here's your prescription. One in the morning. One at night. Take it for the next two weeks, whatever, and it'll do its work. Why don't we do that with the word? The word health there is actually the word medicine. If you look it up in the, in the Hebrew original context, it said, my word is what? Medicine. To how much? All, All your flesh. Now, I don't know if you know this or not. Brother Hagin put together a great little teaching 
that he would share to everybody everywhere he would go in relationship to healing. And he put it down on paper. We have it. And if you have our app, our church app, it's on that app. You got it available to you every day. If you go to our church app, it's on our website too. Go down to the little block that says healing and click on it. It'll bring you there and it'll teach you this Proverbs 4, 22 teaching. It'll explain how the word works as a medicine. And then guess what follows? Healing scriptures that he put together. And those healing scriptures are to be declared over your life every day. Take the medicine. Don't just parrot them. Don't just say them. Listen to what they're saying. Because to take the medicine, you got to be listening, inclining your ear to what it's saying. And then he has a little confession that goes along with every single one of those verses to speak to yourself. And those confessions, I love them because he is not speaking them out loud as just a statement of fact, although it is, it's declaring to myself. God's my physician. He's in me. He's healing me now. So you're speaking right in line with what the Word of God says. Amen? So thank God we can get free from the pressures of life, including attacks on our body. How? Through the Word of God. Let's look at another verse, 1 Corinthians 10. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 10. Say, thank God I don't have to put up with the pressures of life. You don't. You absolutely don't. It's up to you. It's a choice you make. You can look stuff face on, adversity head on, and simply do what? Turn away from that. Focus on what God says. Do what God says. And guess what? You can get relieved of any form of pressure that would try to come upon you. And God says so according to his word. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. If you're there, say amen. amen. No temptation. Now, temptation is not just to sin. Temptation is to in any way walk in opposition to God's word. Does God want you worried, fearful, stressed? If you're walking in those things, guess what you're experiencing? Pressure. But watch this. No temptation has overtaken you except uh, such as common demand. But God is what? Tell me. He is faithful. To do what? He is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, he will also make the way of escape that you may be able to what? Bear it. Now, he'll make a way out, but that don't mean you take it. And that way out comes in different ways. That way out could be through prayer. That way out could be through praying in the Holy Spirit. That way out could be going to the Word. That way out could be obviously walking away from a relationship or things you don't need to be a part of. God will make a way out. you got to take it. But He'll always make a way of escape. All you have to do is recognize it and receive it and walk in it. Amen? So to be, to go to the Word for the answers and escape, God will always provide that way of escape. If you just trust Him to do so. Even in relationship to the Word of God, if you'll believe Him to give you what you need from the Word, He'll bring stuff alive to you in the Scriptures that'll help bring revelation to your heart and help free you from the pressures of life. Amen? Amen. Now, this is one a lot of people don't think about. Number three, do something fun as a getaway. Why? Turn to Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. How many have been through the first year of SMTI? Raise your hand if you've ever been through the first year. Remember one of the things that, Proverbs, that uh, Pastor Barclay talks about? About having a little emergency kit? Yeah. You know, a little fun getaway, even if it's just for a moment. He, he keeps a candy bar <laughs> as an emergency kit. I think Reese's actually. You know, something that brings you, brings you happiness, you know, brings you joy. <laughs> Why? Look at Proverbs 15. Look at this powerful verse. Proverbs 15, verse 15. All the days of the afflicted are what? Evil. Evil. But he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Well, a merry heart just means you're happy. 
Now, we don't totally rely on external circumstances clearly to make us happy. But there are things in life that you can do to help relieve the pressure by what? Simply doing a fun getaway. You know what you can do? Go watch a movie that will make you laugh. You listening? Because the Bible also says clearly, this is powerful. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. It's like medicine to you. Praise the Lord. Kathy, man, she likes to drive up to Oklahoma and go to the lake. Go to Lake Murray, sit there and look at the lake. You want to go to the lake? No. <laughs> Brings you joy. That's not my joy thing. But I'll guarantee you, a uh, pastor taught this in his church for years. Keep a little, you know, just something as a kid, even if you can't get away to have something of things that bring you joy. Little notes people have written to you. Something that brings joy to your heart. Amen? He said, one time, I couldn't get to mine. How many know Maria Bailey? Maria Bailey, she's a wife of uh, Bill Bailey, who's on our board, who works for Dr. Barclay. She oversaw SMTI for years. And he said, Maria Bailey kept this, uh, you know, like I taught, you know, taught him. He, she kept a little box in her desk. He said, I always knew if I was out of my box and didn't have any chocolate in it, I'd go to Maria Bailey's because she got full, full of chocolate. She'd always wonder, where's all my chocolate going? She finally found out it was me. <laughs> it's pastor taking it. So do some form of a fun getaway, Amen. Psalm 126, Psalm 126, not excluding it, but it doesn't mean you got to have a bunch of money and go on a vacation. How about you just go out and enjoy a meal? How about you just go to a movie? You know, I mean, I wouldn't go to something full of garbage and junk, you know. Go to something that's encouraging. Go to something that inspires you. Praise God. Something would be a blessing to you. Psalm 126, all the whole Psalm, six verses. Psalm 126, verse 1. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with what? Laughter. Underline it. Our mouth was filled with laughter. Our mouth was filled with laughter. And our tongue with what? Singing. Singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Who said it? Those who saw these people with great laughter, saying, Wow, the Lord has done great things for them. Brought them out of captivity. Three, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are what? We're sad about it. We're depressed about it. Well, the Lord hasn't done anything great for me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're just thinking of natural stuff. Let me help you. You're not going to hell. That's a great thing right there. I said, that's a great thing right there. Four, bring back, uh, bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall do what? They will reap with jo reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, uh, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with him. So understand the power of doing something fun as a getaway and doing things that fills your heart with joy. One of which you can do is be reminded of what the Lord has done for you. Think about what the Lord has done for you. 3B, fill your mouth with laughter. Fill your mouth with laughter. The Bible tells me and you in Philippians 4, rejoice when you feel like it. Rejoice when everything's going your way. So it's kind of like I've shared with you before. Kathy talked about this morning. You know, if you're facing a time of challenge of getting needs met, what did God tell you to do? Go look at the birds, right? Now, what did he just tell you to do here in relationship to pressure on your life? Fill your mouth with what? Joy, with laughter. Start rejoicing. Start rejoicing. What were they rejoicing in? What God had done for them. Well, guess what God has done for you? He's delivered you from captivity. You're not a sinner anymore. Start rejoicing in what God has done. 
fill your mouth with laughter and it can begin to relieve you from pressure and bring great rejoicing to your heart and therefore bring great strength to your life. Any amens on that? Amen. Joy of the Lord is your strength. strength. Number four, you got to fight off monotony and boredom. Got to fight off monotony and boredom. Philippians chapter four. We'll show you how to do that. Philippians chapter four. What was said? I missed it. Huh? Thank you. All right. Fighting off monotony and boredom. So I guess we got some monotony and boredom going on there. Philippians chapter 4. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. Because you know in life, you pretty much kind of just get in your normal same routine all the time. So what can we do to change that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. I want you to see this. This is great. Philippians chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. You there? Listen carefully. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Notice this. How did they do that? You Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Meaning what? They stopped thinking about themselves, and they started thinking how they could help Paul. And as they started thinking about how they could help Paul, guess what they did? They gave. They sowed. They sowed to his ministry. They actually started looking at being able to do something positive with their life rather than just going through the daily motions and saying, wow, how can I help somebody else to know my Jesus? And one of the ways they did that was partnering with Paul. For A, get involved with doing what? Get involved with helping others. And you can help break what? Monotony and boredom off of your life. Because monotony and boredom primarily comes when you're just focused on you. Let's look at another verse, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I've taught you this many times, many, many times. In Job's life, when Job was going through all of his troubles, how many know he had some pressure on him? Troubles and challenges, all that. Why? He's looking at himself. He's thinking about himself. What does God do to get him out of that? I'll tell you what he got him to do to get out of that. He had him pray for his friends. Quit sitting here in your monotony and boredom and get up and go and minister to your friends and pray for your friends. And when he did, guess what happened? His faith started rising back up. And lo and behold, God was able to work in his life now and deliver him, set him free. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who... Now, he's not going around saying, let's just cry with everybody. What's he again talking about here? Start thinking about others. Start thinking about others. You want to get out of monotony and boredom? Start doing what you can to help other people. 4B, rejoice in the victories of others and do what? Comfort the hurting. Those of you that got to pray for people out here yesterday, I guarantee you what? You certainly shouldn't have been bored while you were doing that. Right? Why? Because realizing they're going through a tough time. What do I get to do? Let my God use me to be a blessing to them. Does that not bring joy to your heart? Absolutely. Does that not relieve you of your pressure? Sure it does because you stop thinking about your stuff and you start doing what? Trying to help somebody else. Even giving out the food. Think about the blessing we got to do to be able to bring bring food to people that were in need. Amen? So get involved with things that you can do to help other people and this will help also to deal with pressure in your life because you'll be able to get rid of the monotony and boredom of just going through daily life of your own stuff. Start finding ways you can positively influence and help other people. Praise God. Amen. I encourage on social media. Why do you just do social media just to share about all of your life? 
What about trying to reach out to other people with Scripture and other things you can do with the things of God to try to be a blessing to them to help them, to encourage them? Amen. I want you to turn now to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, one of the things you got to watch out for about pressured in, being pressured in life is the devil will make you think you are the only one. You're the only one on the planet going through this. You're the only one dealing with this. Number five on your notes, don't let the devil convince you that you are the only one who has this problem. Whatever it may be that's trying to pressure you. Well, nobody has it as bad as I do. Are you kidding? There's people that I will promise you we can find in the world that probably has it worse. But this is what the devil loves to do to try to get us, again, under pressure in life, thinking we're the only ones going through the problem. As if God doesn't know what's going on. 1 Kings 19, you there? 1 Kings 19. So this is where Elijah had just called down fire from heaven. All the prophets of, of Baal were wiped out. He then obviously kills all the other false prophets who were under Jezebel's rule. And look what happens. 19.1. And Ahab, King Ahab, told Jezebel, his wife, all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Now those prophets are the false prophets of Baal. These are not God's prophets. Relationship to that, it's primarily those, although some might have said they spoke for God, they were all false prophets. Number two, Jezebel, verse two, Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. So when she heard this, she sends a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not, uh, and, and, and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, I'm going to make your life the same as theirs. I'm coming after you. I'm going to take it out. Now, wait a minute. This great prophet just called fire down from heaven and saw all these prophets of Baal wiped out. How in the world did he all of a sudden get so pressured that he turned tail and run? Let's find out. Why did this great prophet all of a sudden allow this woman to get him under pressure and turn tail and run for his life? Verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey, after he heard this, into the wilderness, and he came and he sat under a broom tree, juniper tree. Juniper tree, broom tree. Notice this, he prayed that he might what? He prayed that he might what? I'm going to tell you why, because he thinks he's the only one. He thinks he's the only one right now in Israel that still stands for God, and that's it, I'm the last one left, and now Jezebel's going to come after me and get me. He goes and he sits under this broom tree, prayed that he might die. And he said, it is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father. Now think about this. This incredible great prophet of God himself even allowed this pressure to get to him to the degree that he allowed himself to actually ask God to take his life. And I'm going to show you why. Again, you're going to find out because he thinks he's the only one left. I'm the only one going through this. Notice verse 5, as he lay and slept under a broom tree, this juniper tree, an angel touched him and he said to him, arise and eat. Pretty cool to have an angel show up and fix you a meal. Amen. Now, he wasn't doing this to encourage him. He was doing this to get him where God needed him to go. Guess where God did not want him? Under a juniper tree. He was under a juniper tree because he was obviously running for his life, which he should not have been doing. Verse 6, he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. 
So he ate and he drank and he laid down again. This is what people do is they obviously allow themselves to think they're the only one. Get under this pressure of life. Get depressed. He lays down and goes back to sleep. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. Meaning what? God's not happy with you sitting here, boy. Now, it's not like God's upset or mad at you per se, but guess what? He's not real happy that you're all of a sudden pulled out here by yourself thinking you're the only one going through this. God has a work for you to still do. You need to eat this food because guess what? God is calling you to go somewhere and you're going to need the strength of this food to get there. Verse 8, so he arose and he ate and he drank. Notice this, he went in the strength of that food. How long? Now think about that. Two meals from an angel. And he went under the strength of that food for 40 days. That's pretty amazing. He went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights as far as Oreb, the mountain of God. And there he went into what? Now, God didn't tell him to go into a cave. He chose to go into a cave. Why? He's still wanting to be by himself. Still wanting to isolate under the juniper tree, now in a cave. He goes into a cave. He spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Meaning what? God didn't call him to the cave. God didn't call him to the juniper tree. He's a prophet of God. He's supposed to be obeying God. He's supposed to be doing what God called him to do. Why did he allow this? He got under pressure from Jezebel because he started focusing on himself. I'm the only one left, as you're about to see. Verse 10, so he said, I have been very zealous. This is Elijah speaking back. I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars and killed your, your prophets with the sword. I alone, underline it, I alone am left and they seek to take my life. So that statement means I'm the only one going through this. Ain't nobody else going through what I'm going through. That's what the devil wants you to make you think. Verse 11, then he said, go out, stand on the mountain before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after a fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle. And he went out and he stood in the entrance of the cave and suddenly a voice came to him and said, again, what are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you here? Why are you allowing this? Why are you permitting this? Why are you hiding out? Watch this, verse 14. He said, I have been very zealous again for the Lord God of hosts because of the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. Again, I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Is he the only one left? Let's find out. The Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Haziel, king over Syria. How many know the prophets of God in that day anointed the kings and anointed other prophets? Part of their responsibility. What's God telling them? Get back to work. Get your focus off of you. You're not the only one. You shall anoint Jehu. Because why? He's not the only one. Why would he go have him anoint Haziel as king over Syria if he wasn't going to serve God? So there is somebody else left that's going to serve God, isn't there? You shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshai, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, uh, and, and Abel Mola, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. 
It shall be that who, uh, whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu, uh, uh, Haziel, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Underline it. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel. How many? But Elijah thought he was the only one. I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bound, bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So meaning what? Once again, be careful that you don't let the devil make you think, I'm the only one going through this. How do you start feeling the context of, I'm the only one going through this? You isolate. You try to pull away. You try to get alone. Not good. Not good. Get up. Serve God. Do what God told you to do. Walk with God. God will help you through it. Can I get a better amen? 5A, you need to stay away from the juniper tree and the cave. Why? God never calls you to isolate. Now, I'm not telling you God may not have you spend some time alone with him if you really are and you're taking time to seek him, but that's not what he was doing. When he went to that juniper tree, go to Hebrews 4. When he went to that juniper tree, he wasn't seeking God. He was trying to get away from everything. In that case, he's certainly not crying out to God, is he? Nope, nor was he in the cave. God had to show up and start talking to him. So guess what? Stay away from the juniper tree. Stay away from the cave. Don't pull away thinking you're the only one. Let me help you. God has a lot of people in this planet here still serving him. And there's a lot of people that have gone through what you've gone through. And God's brought them through it. And he can bring you through. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Here's something else powerful to remember about this as well. Relationship to what? Don't let the devil think you're the only one going through this. Uh, Hebrews 4, 14. Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us do what? Hold fast our confession. Seeing then we have a great high priest, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Meaning what? He went through what he had to face and made, and made it through successful. He honored, obeyed God, and he wound up going back to heaven where he belonged. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. He does, because he was in all points tempted as well as we are, but yet without what? Missing the mark. Without sin. What should you do? Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly where? To the throne of grace. Let us come what? Boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain what? Mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. What's mercy? Getting what you don't deserve. God's help. God will help you. What is finding uh, grace here? It's discovering again the help that God offers you as a believer. If you'll do what? You've got to come boldly. So in essence, don't run from God. Come on. If you feel like you're the only one going through it, guess what uh, Elijah did? Ran from God. Don't do that. Run to God. 5B, Jesus was in all points tempted as we are and yet without sin. You know why? Because guess what Jesus did in his time of temptation? What did Jesus do in his time of temptation in the garden? He ran to God. He didn't run to some cave thinking about what he was going to go through. He didn't go under a juniper tree. He did get separate from his disciples, but what did he go to seek? God. Amen? Run to God, not from him. So don't be like Elijah in his time of pressure. Think you're the only one and run from God. No, run to him. He's your help. He's your strength. Last verses. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Say praise the Lord. 
John 10, don't ever run from God thinking you're the only one. I don't understand God. Don't know why. That's not going to help you. Run to him. Say, thank God I can come to the, bo- the throne of grace boldly and I can receive God's help and God's grace in my time of need. Hold fast to your confession of what God has done for you and keep declaring I am delivered in Jesus' name. John chapter 10, number 6 on your notes. Never, ever, never. Get the point? Never, ever, never. Do what? Go the way of the devil or choose his decisions? You listening? Never, ever, never. Go the way of the devil or choose his decisions. John chapter 10, verse 5. Yet God's sheep, those who are called by God, who find their shepherd, they will by no means follow a stranger, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. True sheep that want to walk with God are not going to follow the voice of strangers. Drop down to verse 27. Same chapter, verse 27. Jesus goes on to say, my sheep do what? Hear my voice, and I know them, and they do what? Follow me. So the key here is, are you a sheep or not? I mean, on the, I mean, on the body of Christ, there are sheep, there are goats, and there are wolves. Wolves don't belong to God. Now, wolves could be a rebellious believer that are clearly out of line with God. Most wolves, though, are honestly just a pawn of the enemy to try to look like a sheep, but they come along to do one thing, rip and tear and destroy God's work. But goats, guess what? As far as we know, according to the Bible, doesn't, we don't know that goats aren't born again. Goats are those, again, who are not submissive to God. If you look up the word sheep, you know what it means? Those who are willing to follow. Those who are willing to follow. What's a sheep? I'm willing to follow Jesus. I'm willing to go his way. The way you don't want to go is the way of the devil, obviously, or choosing his decisions. How do you know you're going the way of the devil? You're opposing the word. You're not doing what the word said to do. Correct? So again, relationship to other contexts, a a close fellowship with other people that aren't walking with God. If I choose to maintain those relationships, am I choosing to go the way of God? No. And therefore, what am I going to do? Put great pressure on my life being around unbelievers who certainly aren't going to walk in the peace and the joy of the Lord. Correct? But what about you and I simply choosing to do our own thing and not do God's will of the way God said we're supposed to live and walk out our life by faith? If you allow things to affect you in the context of what you're looking at, I consider that and not what God said. Guess what you're going to be? Pressured. But what does the Bible tell you about walking by faith? Don't consider what you see. Consider what God said. Well, who considers what you obviously consider? You do. Did you get that? Who is it that considers what you consider? You do. Nobody can make you consider what you consider. That's your choice. But you can consider not to look at the things in the natural. You can consider to to look at what God has said. That's what Abraham did. But if you consider not to look at what God said, but your circumstances, guess what you're going to do? You're going to be pressured because that's the way of the devil. That's not God's way. You got to choose to do things God's way. Amen? So uh, 6a, again, follow the Lord, not the voice of the stranger. And the voice of the stranger would be those who are not submitting to Jesus and doing things God's way. Choose to submit to Jesus and do things his way. If you do, you're following after him, and I'll guarantee you it'll help relieve your pressure in your life. Amen? He's not going to lead you into greater pressure. He's going to help relieve it. All right, back over your notes, quick review. Number one, refuse to do what? Number one, refuse to do what? Refuse to cope with pressure, meaning what? Don't put up with it. 
Don't put up with it. You don't have to live with pressure in your life. You can choose, again, to not let your heart be troubled. Your choice. Number two, go to what? Go to the Word for the answer of the escape. If you're under pressure in life, a lot of times you are because you're not going to the Word. You're not going to the Word. You're trying to find answers everywhere else except the Word of God. Number three, do something fun as a getaway. It will help to relieve some pressure. To go enjoy some time doing whatever you like to do. That obviously is something that's a, a blessing to your life. Number four, fight monotony and boredom. How do you do that? Start helping others. Get your eyes off of you and do what you can to try to help other people. Yeah, but I'm going through it. Hey, listen, guess what? Thank God you're hopefully going through it. But you want to get through it. Get your eyes on helping somebody else. Number five, don't let the devil convince you you're the only one who has this problem. How do you know you're allowing that to happen? You're isolating. Stay out from under the juniper tree. Don't go to the cave. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. And number six, never, ever, never go the way of the devil or choose his decisions. Choose to do things the way God said. And I promise you this, you're going to live a whole lot less pressured life. Can I get a better amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.